0: That's so the Welcome to Baby Dedication Sunday. We're entitling this message, if you're going to give it a message, Train Up a Child. And our theme verse for today is from Proverbs 22 and verse 6, which says, read it with me. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. What you must understand about this verse is that it is a proverb, not a promise. This verse is not promising. If you tell your child about the Lord, you take them to Sunday school, you bring them to church, have them read their Bible on a daily basis, and then for some reason wander off for a season, they will always come back. No, That's a good rule, it's a general principle, you're putting the odds in your child's favor if you do this, but it's not a promise. Your child, just like you and me have been given free will, your child has the same free will. They make their own choices in life, but it's still our responsibility to teach them, amen? Amen? Let's give them the best odds that we possibly can. I want to tell you something that drives me crazy, okay? Can I I whine and complain a little bit and tell you about one of my, I guess, faults in a way? I'll sometimes talk to some of our upward families, and they're over there, and I get to meet them, and I find out who they're, the name of their son and their daughter, and, and I'll say something like, well, where does little Billy go to Sunday school? Or where does little Susie go to Sunday school? And the parents will say something like this back to me. Oh, we're going to let them make their own choice once they become of age. And I want to grab them and shake them and say, do you let them decide whether they get up and go to school in the morning?" Do you let them decide what they're going to have for breakfast or for dinner? If they want candy, all three meals of the day, do you let them decide? Do you let them decide whether or not they're going to go to a doctor's appointment or not? Or to the dentist or not? No. You decide that for them. And if you're going to let your child have a choice, they've got to have a choice. I guarantee you the world's going to feed that child with the world. The world's going to give them all the information they need to follow the devil and the ways of man. And Unless we get them here with us and feed them about God and a biblical worldview and a Christian worldview, when they become of age, they really don't have a choice, will they? They've got to hear both sides to have a choice. I'm amazed we're doing as well as we are in America. God's power. I mean, we're losing the culture wars, but we have your children one day a week. The world has them seven days a week. Thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit and for the power of the Word. Can you imagine if we all, as parents, did a daily quiet time and taught our children to do the same? Let's pray about that right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today with praise and gratitude, thanking you for the miracle of birth and especially for the birth of these children. We thank you for the sweetness of spirit we have already seen in these these little ones. We also thank you for the faith of their parents and for the faith of their grandparents in many cases. We thank you for all the generations of faith that are here represented in this room that have, and the generations of faith that have gone before us, that have died and are already in heaven. And, and keep us profoundly aware of our responsibility to those that follow after us. Father, again, we reaffirm the rich heritage of faith that brings us to this moment of time. And we ask your blessing upon this dedication service. Of these little ones. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before we dedicate these little guys, I want to ask a few questions because sometimes people, I, I know the first time I did a baby dedication Sunday, somebody came up to me and said, Bruce, is it even scriptural to do a baby dedication Sunday? And I had to give that some thought. And I have read the Bible and I have determined that it is. Now, the church that I was raised in, we never did a baby dedication, so it wasn't even on my radar. But then I looked around, I saw lots of folks do it, and I thought about it, my wife and I even did it with our son. We dedicated him to the Lord on the third day of his life. It was on that day that we thought he was going to die. He was very, very sick. Those of you that don't know our story, he was born 10 weeks premature. 14 hours after his birth his lungs collapsed stuck together they went into his lungs with tubes they intubated him and with very 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 high pressures and gases they blew his lungs back up again but overexpanded them and the doctor explained it like this medicine is more an art than it is a science We kind of have to guess, based on your child's birth weight and size, how much pressure to hit him with. And every child's different. No two are alike. We did not kill him. We did not blow the lungs up. But they looked like Swiss cheese. And he wasn't doing well on the third day. And every day, Jane and I were getting closer and closer to this little one. And we said, God... We're going to dedicate this boy to you. And we will continue to serve him, whether, serve you whether he lives or dies. And we got down on our knees. At our house, we don't get on our knees much anymore. <laughs> we both had knee surgery, by the way. And we're both getting older. But I remember we got down. I said, Jane, get over here. And we knelt next to our bed. And I said, Jane, I'm going to pray that God has our child live. But I'm giving permission to take him because I don't want him to suffer anymore but I want God to heal him. And she says, okay, I agree. And that we'll always serve God, no matter what. She says, okay. And we dedicated him to the Lord, day three. But you know what I found? Oh, by the way, (laughs) the rest of the story. He's now 29 years old, all right? (laughs) He's got a baby of his own. He's married, you know, and they live out in Menifee, Marietta area, California. And I've got a six-month grandchild from this marriage of theirs so everything's fine it all worked out he spent the first year in and out of the hospital and almost the first two years of his life with oxygen but after two years of age boom he really shot up and everything's fine now but the point I'm trying to make is mom's dads you're going to be dedicating your little ones to the Lord today but it's not a one-time thing When our son went away to kindergarten for the first time, we dedicated him to the Lord again. When he went to junior high, oh, junior high, we dedicated him to the Lord again. When he went to high school, when he went to college, when he got married, you will continually dedicate your children to the Lord. When destiny went into the Air Force, you dedicated her to the Lord. We as a whole congregation prayed her up. It's not a one-time thing. But... It's a good first thing if you've never done it before. And so we're going to do that today. And by the way, you're in good company. If you're dedicating your child to the Lord, is it scriptural? Look at Hannah up here on the, on the Bible. In 1 Samuel one twenty two, I will take him and present him before the Lord. Hannah was a praying woman, a praying mother. She said, God, you give me a baby boy, I'll dedicate him to you all the days of his life. And how about... That couple you may know as Mary and Joseph. What does it say about them? When the time of purification had been completed, they took Jesus to Jerusalem and did what? Presented him to the Lord. That's a baby dedication. And so, yes, it's scriptural. Yes, it's right. What's the significance of baby dedication? Well, it's to remind us to teach our children to know and love God. Now, let me just say this to the parents right now. Parents, it is your responsibility to raise your children, not mine. It is your responsibility to help them to know and to love the Lord. You're the primary ones. Now, where do I fit in? Where does the church fit in? We're here to aid and support and back you up, lift you up in prayer, give you tools to make that happen. We're sort of a support system to you. And so, church, in a little bit, I'm going to ask you to make some commitments as well. But that's our role. But primarily, you've got to remember, you are with them every single day. You set the tone in your family. You set the example in your family. If you're not having a daily quiet time, how are you going to expect your children to grow up having a daily quiet time? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 makes it clear this is a parental responsibility. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. How many gods are there, folks? Just one voice. There's just one God. There's just one way to live. I guarantee you the world's going to be coming at your kids with many, many different voices and many, many different ways to go. You help your children to hear that one voice from God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Do you see that? Who's the your? That's you, parents. Talk about them when you sit at home. And you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. Today we might say, stick them on your refrigerator door with a magnet. Put them on your, tape them to your bathroom bathroom mirrors. Uh, Use them as your computer screensavers. See the idea there? But you're always talking to your kids about the Lord. Well, what do we teach them? Here's the best thing you can teach your child. Look up here. That there's only one way. Jesus, here's what he taught us. John 14 and verse 6. He said, "I am the way, not one of the ways. I am the truth. I don't know a lot about truth. I don't not many truths, but one truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here's what you teach your children: the way to the cross leads home." You only get to the Father through the Son. The most important thing you can teach them. Teach them about Jesus' birth, of course. The Christmas season will soon be upon us. Teach them about His baptism and His ministry of healing. Going about doing good. But teach them about the crucifixion. His death. His burial. His resurrection. Teach them that He's coming back one day for His church. Teach them to occupy until He comes. The word occupy is an old English word that just means teach them to stay busy using their spiritual gifts, talents, and abilities in kingdom business. Now someone asked me, why don't we baptize babies? Well, let me give you five quick reasons. We've recently gone through this. This won't take long, but number one, because babies cannot believe. Mark 16, 16 says, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. It doesn't say you baptize a baby first and then you teach that baby when he grows up to believe. That is reverse order. That's the order that man has come up with. But the Bible, the order that God puts it in, is he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Number two. Because a baby cannot repent, on the day of Pentecost, when the crowd realized that they had crucified the Son of God, they asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do to be saved? And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Babies cannot repent. Babies have nothing to repent of. They haven't committed their first sin yet. Number three. Because babies cannot confess. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And number four, because babies don't have a conscience. 1 Peter 3, 21 says that baptism is the answer of a good conscience towards God. Little children haven't developed that yet. And then finally, we believe children are safe. We believe children are in a safe condition. Notice I did not say saved because to say saved would imply that they were at one time lost. They were never lost. They are in a safe condition. What do I mean by that? If a baby, if a child dies before it can grow up to know the Lord and do all these things... He goes directly to heaven because there's an innocence there. How do I know that? Well, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, you'll read a story about King David. King David had an adulterous affair with a woman named Bathsheba. Had her husband, Uriah the Hittite, murdered on the battlefield. He did a grievous sin against God. Bathsheba ends up pregnant and bears a child. And Nathan the prophet comes and talks to David about this. And says, David, because of your sin, God is going to take the child home. God is going to take your child. And David prays and he fasts for like seven days and nights. He won't eat, he won't drink. You know, he puts on sackcloth and ashes and he mourns and he cries out to God night and day to save the baby. Well, on the seventh day, the baby dies, and his servants really don't want to be the ones to tell him, but David realizes that something's up and asks, has the baby died? And the servant says, yes. Well, David then gets up, he bathes, he eats, he drinks, and he carries on life as normal. And his servants are perplexed by this. And they said, David, why when the baby was sick... You prayed and fasted, but now that the baby has died, you're going on with life. And I love David's answer. He said, while the baby was still alive, there was a chance that God would hear and answer my prayer the way I wanted him to. But now that the baby is dead, I can't bring the baby back to life again, but one day I will, watch this, I will go to the baby. Where's he pointing, folks? Where does David put his trust? In the Lord. David knew he would be with the Lord and the child's with the Lord and he would see that son again one day. Babies are safe. Even little children are safe. Little children don't know right from wrong. It takes them a while to kind of figure out that stuff. You know, We all grow at different rates physically, spiritually, emotionally, cognitively. And, and when they come to the age of accountability, whatever that is, and I think it's different from everyone. You know, I've met eight, nine-year-olds that were spiritually tuned into God, and I've met 16, 18-year-olds that just still didn't have a clue. We're all different. But I know this. When Jesus was here, the little children went to Jesus. Look at, look at Luke 18. People were also bringing babies to Jesus, to Him, to touch them. Kids don't just go to anybody, and parents don't take their kids just to anybody. There's something about Jesus. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them, good old disciples. They still got a lot to learn, don't they? But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And then he adds, in 18, 1 through 6 before this scene, he said this, The disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? See, they're, when, when, you get, when you grow up, you kind of get jaded, don't you? When you grow up, you're all into the power and authority and and who's going to be on top. Well, that's what they're talking about. He called a little child to him and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What are little children like? They're innocent. Little children are trusting. Little children are totally dependent on and fully humble. That's why Peter will later say, Peter later gets it. And First Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and He will lift you up. Psalm 78, 1 through 6, this will be the final verse that I will use, and then I'm going to have the parents come up and bring their little ones with them, and we'll dedicate them to the Lord. But listen to this verse, O my people, Hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation, oh how important that is, the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. His power and wonders He has done. Parents, are you telling your children the stories of how He's gotten you through difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. You need to carry on those stories. I remember my father was injured at work one time. He had injured his back so severely, he was in a brace for a year and could not work, over a year. And my dad called a family meeting and said, this is not going to be easy. But with God's help, we will make it. And when things got better again, He reminded us of how God got us through that tough time and how He get us through another. Parents, when you have a tough time, never waste that hurt. Never waste that pain. When God gets you through, share that with your kids. Let them see how God's been at work, even in your own lives. He established the law in Israel, which He commanded our forefathers to teach their children so the next generation would know them. Even the children yet to be born. You may have more kids. And they, in turn, would tell their children I am grateful that God has blessed us with one child. That's all we could have. Doctors said, No more. You will have premature babies the rest of your life. And we did not want to have premature babies the rest of our life. But God blessed us with one. And we taught that child to know the Lord. Corey now has blessed us with our first grandchild. And our son is passing on the story to Blake Tyler Rokas, who one day will grow up, by the grace of God, get married, and have a son or daughter of his own who he will tell this story to long after I'm gone. That's the way it's supposed to work, folks. And if we just did that, if we could just keep passing this on from generation to generation... America, the world could be a great place again. Amen? Well, that's all I got to say about that. At this time, I'm going to ask our parents to come forward and to make it easy for them to do so. Some of them are carrying little ones. Why don't we all stand and sing this song? I know you know it with me. Let's all stand together make it easy for the parents. Come on down with your little ones and sing this with me. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. All right, parents, in a moment, I'm going to put up on the screen some words. I'm going to be asking you to make a commitment. Oh, Audience, you may be seated. I'm going to have you stand here in a moment, too, but right now be seated. As an indication of your commitment before God and this church to be godly parents, to your children, I'm going to ask you to respond. And I'm going to ask you to respond with these words. I'll put them on the screen, okay? Let's go to the next slide. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're not ready for that part. Do, you, you did good, case and leave it just like it is. But I want us to practice right now. I want you to respond with these words by saying, we will with God's help. Would you say that with me? We will with God's help. But I want to read the names of the ones that I have here, and if there's others that are here, we'll um, give you an opportunity to share. But these are the names that I received that are with us today. Uh, Mariana Cabral. She was born August the 8th. 2012, Uh, has a sibling, little Reuben, we know Reuben, and uh, Mother Teresa here. (laughs) Teresa Wilson. Now, I'm not sure that I know John and Javen Haas and their mother Karen Haas, is she here? Okay, well, we're going to dedicate these kids in absentia. Um, That would be little uh, Javen And uh, John. do we get their names up there? Okay. Let's move on down to Adrian Carrillo. He was born March the 4th, 2015. And he has a sibling, Omar J. Carrillo. Parents are Omar and Teresa Carrillo. And then Ariana Naomi Lopez was born June the 20th, 2015. I think I saw a little Naomi earlier. A beautiful dress. There, there she is. And uh, her mother, is it Adriana? Okay, so I got that mixed up earlier. Adriana Lopez. And then Delilah Latero was born December the 1st, 2012, and has um, two siblings, Victoria and Kimberly, and the parents are Brenda and Richard Latero. And then we have Nathaniel. We call him Nate around here, three years old. He was born June 25th, 2012. And his little sister, Jayla Davis, we call her Day-Day. She's age four, was born January 6, 2011. And uh, these two have a couple of siblings, Isaiah and J.D., and they're the parents, or they're the children of the proud parents, Jason and Marla Davis. Did I leave anybody out? Okay. Now, parents... Is there one more? Oh, yes. I did leave somebody out. Did I leave? Okay. There is Vincent Stanley. He was born April the 20th, 2011. And um, his mother is Annette Stanley. Is this him here? Yeah. Hey, little guy. God bless you. And then Delilah Latero. Boy, I just, I did miss two, didn't I? Delilah Latero was born December 1st, 2012. Did I already do Delilah? Did I miss anybody else? Oh, okay. Hi, Hope. Hope we're going to dedicate you today, too. Parents are going to be sharing in just a moment. How old is Hope? Three years old in her date of birth? April 9, 2012. Anybody else? Your preacher's memory is very poor these days. Or should I say, his forgetter works very, very well. I'm going to be calling on the church to help me more and more every year, All right. Well, God bless you parents, and God bless these children. Now parents, here's the question. Will you be responsible, number one, you got that case? Will you be responsible for seeing that your child is brought up in the Christian faith and life? Would you respond with? Do you commit yourself to the holy task of bringing up your child in the training and instruction of the Lord? Will you teach your child the infinite value of each human being? The courage to say no? The faith to say yes? The beauty of mercy? The power of prayer? The liberation of self-discipline? The nobility of justice and honor, the glory of love, and the eternal goodness of God. All right, congregation, I want you now to stand to back up these parents. Parents, I want you to turn around and look at your church family with your child. Church, it is our responsibility to help them, we don't raise them, they're the primary responsibility. But we play a role. And so I've got a couple of questions for the church today. And as I ask these questions, will the church respond by saying, we will with God's help. Question number one, church. Will you, as a congregation of God's people, do all in your power to support these parents and their children in their life in Christ? We will with God's help. Will you, by your prayers and witness, help these babies and all of our children at Cross Point to grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ? We will with God's help. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to bless these parents that are before us this morning in the spiritual upbringing of their children. And when these little ones grow old enough to make a decision for you, Open their hearts to your grace. Open the hearts to your love. Open their hearts to the truthfulness of the gospel. We ask the Holy Spirit to convict them at that time so that they will be baptized into Christ. Then, Lord, send them into the world as witnesses of your love. And bring them to the fullness of your peace and glory and to everlasting life in heaven. Amen. The parents and all everyone may be seated. Now I want to close with three verses. I've got some bad news and I've got some good news. First, the bad news. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I can't deny that. How about you? I want to see your hand if you're a sinner. Alright, that's the bad news. Oh, the bad news gets worse. Romans 6.23, there's going to be a payday for your sins. The wages of sin is death. That's the eternal kind. The kind that separates you from God. Ah, here comes the good news. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mark 16.16, he says, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. The way you show your trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation is by dying with Him, by being buried with Him, and by being raised with Him from the watery grave of baptism. If you've never done that before, we extend this invitation to you as together we all stand and sing.